Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, this is your friendly pinhead of 198 back with another episode, and this is not a family-friendly episode, because we get to talk about a few things. As you just heard, that was a little scene from RoboCop 2. You know, RoboCop 2 isn't as bad as everybody says it is. It's pretty hateful. There's some problems with it. RoboCop, the first RoboCop, is obviously the banger. It's one of the greatest films of all time. But RoboCop 2, you know... RoboCop 2 ain't that bad, considering the studio interference. Especially with the people fucking with Frank Miller. Him hating Hollywood after that. It's nowhere near as RoboCop and bad as RoboCop 3. RoboCop 3 was fucking shit. I mean, you compare the two, RoboCop 2 was minor grot. But RoboCop 3 was like a bad TV dinner, you know. You got hungry mans that are good TV dinners, you know, especially when you're hungover and But RoboCop 3 is like a bad TV dinner. It's like a banquet, you know. The the mashed potatoes look like baby vomit. The corn is like processed pig shit. The Salisbury steak looks like unwashed pussy. Probably tastes like it too. So when you compare the two, RoboCop 2 is a far, far better film. RoboCop 3 is fucking grot. No fun fact that Peter Weller was originally supposed to be in RoboCop 3, but... He uh, chose. He had a prior engagement with David Cronenberg's newest film at the same time, so he couldn't be in it. And probably for his career, it was for the better because RoboCop Three was a shitty script and a shitty movie. Although he did go on to do Screamers, so you leave it at that. But on this episode, we're going to talk about Megan, the uncut edition. We'll also talk about. You know, and there'll be some spoilers. Picard, most recent season of Picard, season three. That one's been surprisingly good. We'll 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 we'll, we'll try and tiptoe through the tulips of not spoiling it too much, but we will spoil it a little bit. And that's about it. I think you know I'm gonna save Mandalorian for filmmaker Mike and the boys. I will compare and contrast a little bit how I feel between the two. But you got to bear with me. I'm a little sick right now. I'm pretty drugged up. <coughs> Coughing a lot. Sick of this shit. I was supposed to go see Scream 6. I'm a little pissed off about that. That I got sick right as I'm going to go see Scream 6. Because I was looking forward to going to see Scream 6. Especially considering how much I loved not love, but I, I really enjoyed the Scream 5. It was it was a good entry. I'm hearing this one's even better, even more brutal. So we'll see. We'll start off with Megan. There's not really much to say about Megan. I mean, it was it was a surprisingly good film. I thought it was gonna be complete dog shit. But it, it it turned out to be okay. And the uncut edition on the cock. Peacock. It, it, 
there's not much difference between the original and the uncut. In the in the uncut edition, you see, so the movie is pretty much about a little girl who gets into a car crash, watches her parents die, and then she's sent to live with her aunt. You know, and that's how she develops a bond with her aunt is a, is a fucking doll creator. She creates toys. They're glorified Furbies, but they're modern day Furbies. They can shit themselves. They can crack stupid jokes for kids. They can fart, you know, but it's a high selling toy and she her her task is to create something better than that a more cost effective version of that same toy and then her sister and her brother-in-law die and the kid barely survives in the uncut version you see the kid in the hospital it it baffles me because the kid not only does the kid not die but she's not put in a coma, and she just gets a few scrapes across her face, you know, movie logic. That's kind of fucking stupid, but she goes to live with her aunt, and she's very closed in, obviously, because she's traumatized from being in a major car wreck and her mother and father being killed. And her aunt ends up developing this doll that can process things, emotions, feelings. It's like... It's it's Child's Play, the most recent remake, only it's a better film because it's not under Child's Play, and you know they made this movie out of spite because Universal hates the Child's Play remake, Must, much like a lot of us, like the Child's Play remake was fucking stupid, you know, you had Mark Hamill in there, great, as Chucky, ooh, but overall, the movie was shit. This movie was actually a pleasant surprise. Um, in the uncut edition, you see a few kills that you see in the original version, but the kills are a little more escalated. They're a little more violent. You see Megan's personality come out a little bit more. <laughs> one of my <laughs> one of my favorites is toward the end, and it's a little bit of a spoiler. But hey, this movie's been out for a while, and if you don't got the cock, it, you're not gonna see it. And if you do, you're not, and you haven't seen it at this point, you're not gonna watch it anyway. But there's one part <laughs> when she's confronting the aunt toward the end, and she's like, Megan's like trying to process why she betrayed her and why she's trying to stop her from doing these evil things. And she's like, the aunt's like, you killed people. And she's like, big whoop. <laughs> she's like, big whoop. You humans kill people all the time. And she has a valid point. Humans kill people all the time. So her motivation is to protect the girl throughout because that's programmed from the very beginning of the movie. And she's got a valid point. I mean, big whoop. We kill people all the time. So what is it any different? She just does... The, the, the robot doll just does it a little more efficiently than we do. So I guess that's the, the the morality between, you know... Plus, you've gotten people addicted to these fucking... 
smartphones and TikTok and Instagram. It's like, where does the morality line really blur, especially when you have OnlyFans and other shit out there? I mean, how moral are we at the end of the day? And that movie does ask, this movie does ask a critical question. Where it may not be executed the best, but it 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 asks a moral question of like, how moral are you really? There's a dog killed off screen, which is cool because I don't like seeing animals get destroyed in films. But it was off screen, and the dog is a wretched, rotten junkyard fucking dog. Thanks to its shitty owner who um, deserved to die too. There's there's some good kills in here. It's 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 not the best, but it's one. Of, it was a it was a pleasant surprise. I had I had a better time with it than I thought. I I give it a solid seven out of ten, especially the uncut version because you get to see, you get to get a little more context and the kills are a little more escalated. Especially when she kills the kid and rips his ear. I don't want to go too far, but Megan, whoever did the voice actress who was Megan, she was fucking fantastic. I liked her. So I will say, moving on from that, we do have to talk about AEW Revolution. Um, I forgot about that. I'm gonna put a little bit of wrestling talk in this, just for the simple fact. I want to go over. Uh, a couple of matches, mostly the Brian Danielson MJF match, which is match of the year contender. It was an Iron Man match. We'll get into that in a minute. But God, even if you're a non wrestling fan, you could watch that and it told a great story. Told a better story than a lot of Hollywood films going out right now. I, I thought it was fantastic. We'll get into it. Um, the biggest, dis- overall, the event was fine, but some of the matches were just fucking stupid. Like, the, um, the Hangman Adam Page versus John Moxley match was just over-the-top garbage mud show wrestling. It, it was fucking grot. They they pulled out everything, bashing each other in the head with bricks, cutting each other's backs and head open with with barbed wire, barbed wire hands, barbed wire tables. <coughs> Excuse me. I mean, blood just there was more blood in this than most modern horror films. It was it was over the top. And it was pointless. I get it. They hate each other. But the fucking match was... It was a dog's dinner. And it really showed no resolution whatsoever. Except for the fact that Hangman won the match by choking. Literally throwing Moxley over the top rope. And putting a chain. A junkyard chain around his throat and hanging him. Like he literally put it around his throat. Literally, and choked him until he had no choice but to tap because he was losing. He was gonna kill him, and I have no. The way they were making it, he might have actually tried to kill him. It was it was insanity on a level of just pure patheticness. It, 
Now, I don't have anything against blood and wrestling, but when you take it to that level, to where it's just a fucking low-budget horror movie, it, it it makes wrestling look so fucking fake and pathetic. But, you know, the gore hounds in the AEW audience, there was a... There was a brain-dead girl that had a sign up there that, It's my birthday. I came to taste John Moxley's blood. These degenerates have no end, and this is why this shit is popular, and it won't die anytime soon. Then you had the Ruby Riot, Soraya, and my girl, Jamie Hayter, who I love. I think she this was far beneath her. She ended up retaining her title, but this, the reason why I bring it up is because it was so fucking stupid. Ruby Riot, it made no sense. At the end of the match, Tony Storm and Ruby Riot, or excuse me, Tony Storm and Soraya attacked Jamie Hayter because there's a storyline of the old bitches from Connecticut who were in the WWE versus the modern homegrown AEW women here. And it was fucking stupid because Ruby Riot lamb blasts Soraya and Tony Storm throws her out throws him out of the ring and goes, This isn't your place. This is our you don't run this place, bitches. We do. And then within a 10-second drop, she kicks Jamie Hayter in the head and knocks her out. Tony Storm throws the cameraman to the side and breaks his camera for whatever reason, you know, for shits and giggles. And then goes into the ring, and then there's the heel turn. That's not how you turn a heel in wrestling. That's not how you turn a heel in anything. I don't care if it's a video game, a movie, a television show. It's insanity. And then she joins the faction of Soraya and Tony Storm. It's fucking stupid. And then they proceed to spray paint the loser L on the back of Jamie Hayter. And they beat the shit out of uh, Britt Baker, too. Because she was there being cheerleader throughout the match. Rah, 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 sis, boom, bah, bullshit. They beat the shit out of both of them and then spray paint the L. It made no sense. A heel turn even by shitty AEW standards, would have been... They came in, they looked at her, and then Ruby Riot proceeds to beat the shit out of them. And then they do something, as lazy as that is. Or a real heel turn would have been Britt Baker smashing Jamie Hayter in the skull and letting Soraya win the title. And Ruby Soho getting dumped out like the, you know, armchair garbage that she is. Because she's fucking white trash to the whitest of trash extent. I'm sorry, but she is. She's white trash. Dumping her out. Smashing Jamie Hayter in the head and letting Soraya win the title. Or at the very least, getting disqualified, changing on her friend or something of that nature. This was the most sloppy heel turn I've seen in... A very, very long time. And it made no sense. Especially when, you know, White Trash Ruby Soho throws those two out of the ring. 
and tells him that they don't run nothing, and then with a matter of 15 bipolar seconds, she kicks <laughs> she kicks Jamie Hader in the head and then proceeds to help beat the shit out of Britt Baker and Jamie Hader. It makes no sense. You know, it's like someone with a propeller hat and a drool bucket riding this shit. I don't get it. And this is why a lot of people don't like AEW. However, they did redeem themselves with the Iron Man match between, <coughs> excuse me, Brian Danielson and MJF. This told a great story. It went on for an hour, and you would think, fuck, that's too long. But the story they told, MJF rolling out of the ring, being a typical heel. <laughs> he even took a drink and threw it in a kid's face, a child's face. Which pissed Tony Khan off in reality. It was <laughs> my mom got pissed. She's all that's wrong. I was like, <laughs> he really heals it up and he lives up to his potential of absolute cocksucker where you just you wanna see him get his head beat in with a lead pipe. And Daniel Bryanson did kick his ass for a good chunk of the change. There was good back and forth. It told a great story of just heel versus hero, two people that do not like each other. They made it seem like they hate each other outside of the ring in real life. This is good storytelling, especially in wrestling. It went the distance. It ended up becoming a draw, and they called back the WrestleMania match between Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart where it was a draw, and they had to restart the match. Tony Khan made the executive decision. Tony Schiavone ran down, said, yeah, this is the happiest news I ever heard. He announced that Tony Khan said, no, 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 we ain't doing this shit. It was a great battle, but we're going to sudden death, and the next pinfall wins. And it, it, it the ending pissed me off a little bit because what ended up happening was they give you a little... They they kind of got your hopes up. And I love MJF, so I'm not mad that he retained the title. What pisses me off is at the end of the official match, MJF and Danielson were re recovering. <coughs> Excuse me. And when he was recovering, and this was a setup to get Daniel bashed in the head, but this is where the, the problem becomes that I and it's it's a minor nitpick, but it kind of lowered the gravitas of the overall match, which was a fantastic match. They had an oxygen tank over MJF because he was blowing himself up, drinking water and swallowing it through the whole match. And even Taz mentioned this. He's like. When you're in a heavy adrenaline spot and you're constantly moving, drinking water is not going to help you. You know, rinsing your mouth out maybe, but drinking it and swallowing it, especially, you know, and this is in UFC or anything, basketball, unless you have Gatorade or something, drinking pure water out of a bottle will blow your stomach up and you, you run the risk of not only running down your body even more, but throwing up. Because you're constantly moving and drinking water and swallowing it is not exactly... You do that after your adrenaline's come down and you feel a little... You take sips. He was taking huge chugs. 
point of the matter is body was round down and it was they had a hour match where it was almost non-stop where no one was really running out of the ring except for the high spots like through the table and MJF being a heel and drinking water and they had to put an oxygen mask over him with the oxygen tank which oxygen tank is pure metal and they were making giving MJF oxygen cuz he is having a hard time you know he just went through an hour match well, it was planted perfectly because the oxygen tank was planted right down the outside center of the ring. And this is where it really pisses me off because they did a few more moves and battled out for a couple more minutes. And then MJF, sm- MJF smashes, while the ref is distracted, of course, smashes Daniel Bryanson in the Brian Danielson in the fucking head with the tank, point blank. You think, okay, that's over. If they would have ended it right there, I would have said, okay, that's cheap, but hey, that's MJF. No. They smashed his head in and gave you a false sense of hope because he covered Brian Danielson one, two, to the two and a half Brian Danielson kicks out. He does an offensive he does an offensive set backwards and hits him, keeps going, and then somehow MJF Levels him down and puts him in the salt of the earth crossface, and Brian taps. I would have much rather either a he gets smashed in the head and lost the match because he got smashed in the head and he was tired, which would have made perfect for MJF's heel character, or b he be put in the crossface, salt of the earth crossface. It was a modification. And Brian Danielson tapped out like Stone Cold did to Bret Hart when he lost all of his blood. And then it would have been MJF still champion. No contest. Danielson couldn't continue. But no, they made Danielson tap, which is completely against his character. Especially after the abuse the fucker had taken throughout the entire match and didn't tap once. There was some cheap roll-up pins in a low blow spot where he was down and he lost he lost a couple of spot a couple of pinfalls but there was no no sign of tapping whatsoever until the very end and yes you could argue it was overexertion but it just is not in his character and it pissed me off other than that the match is a fucking almost 10 out of 10 because it is a and I'm not even going to argue it. It was it is a match of the year contender. We're in March, the early stages of March, especially as I'm recording this, and the event just happened last Sunday. We're in, we're in we're in a good WWE. Everybody needs to step it up because that is how a story is told. This is a match of the year contender. I I had a blast with that, and it almost. Almost made up, and it was worth the money alone. My mom made a comment that was almost worth paying the amount you paid. I was like, "Yeah, I would say uh, it was a uh, it was it was it was almost worth the entire pay per view cost." So I'm saying right now, this is match of the year. It's not even a contender. It's match of the year so far. It doesn't mean it'll stay that way, but it is. It, it is in the top. It's in the top bracket, and whoever wants to step up and try, 
you got a heavy heap of hurt coming your way because there's some big shoes to fill when it comes to that match. Overall, it was a fair pay-per-view, but, you know, it is what it is. Now we can move on to Picard, which has just been... Picard has been fantastic. The first two seasons, the first season was shit, and... The second season is literally a newborn baby's dirty diaper. The second season was fucking horrid and it reeks to high heaven. I've I've not seen a show that sucks this much in a long time. Especially coming from the legacy of Star Trek The Next Generation. And it managed to, you know, do such horrid shit. However, this uh, this one was this. Th- we're stepping it up. We're stepping it up big time. We're stepping it up. There are a few nitpicks. I had a great time, you know, seeing some legacy characters, and I'm gonna really step around, make a little tiptoe through the tulips. But uh, let's get out with a negative first. First of all, you know, there's one character on there who I cannot stand, and her name is Raffi. She's been shit from the get-go, and she continues to be shit. I don't understand why she's a character here. Her character arc so far, because they ended the first act of Picard, but... It's just, it's, she's annoying. She's a recovering drug addict because, you know, we haven't seen that enough times. And she's looking, you don't find out who her handler is. She has a handler that's sent her on a mission but's restricting her from thir- certain things. And she has a choice to either reunite with her, with her son or stay undercover because she's deep undercover trying to figure out Who's causing these attempts on Starfleet? And uh, doing it, there's a terrorist bombing that happens, and she's trying to figure it out on one of the Starfleet's <coughs> hub areas, you know, the neutral area. It gets attacked, and she's trying to figure out, you know. What the fuck is all about? She she foregoes a, a, a reestablished relationship with her son. And she goes undercover. And then somehow, I don't even know what I missed, but she somehow accidentally gets addicted to drugs again. And we find out her handler's wharf, you know, from the original Star Trek. <laughs> they have a great exchange, but her her whole thing is... I'm addicted to drugs again, and you blew my cover. You blew my cover, you know. You blew my cover! You know, you know, reverting back to Arnold. You blew my cover, and long story short, she ends up teaming with Worf, and... They're going to go on a mission. These are the... And I'm, I'm, I'm very loosely saying because some people haven't seen it. 
but it's throwaway, except for the fact that Warp sa Worf saves her ass from getting killed, and he's a badass in this, like he's always been. It, it, it's good to see him again, you know, Commander Worf, whooping ass, taking names, and he's even, you know, he even mentions, I've, I've, I've learned to have some inner peace with the fire, so he knows when it's time for him to bring out that inner Klingon and whoop ass, but he also knows when it's time to be reserved and step back and not be such a fool like Raffi, you know, and I keep hearing Raffi, I think of, you know, baby beluga in the deep blue sea, the old, <laughs> old elementary Raffi, but that's her name, you know, she's a throwaway character, she's grot, and I'm hoping she dies before the end of the series, because season three is the end of Picard. However, we get some really, really, and I'm going to try and be very, very vague here for those that want to see it. Once we get into the final episodes of the season, I'm going to spoil the shit out of it. I don't even fucking care. But once we get into it, I'll talk more about it. But we, we get some really, really good callbacks. Callbacks to Deep Space Nine. There's a certain group of blobs, I'll just say, that come back. And they're a main antagonist in this, I'd say, last two episodes. There's, we find some Easter, we see some, you know, uh, a, a daughter of one of the original castmates from Star Trek The Next Generation. One of my all-time favorites. No, it's not Data. But, you know, I'll leave it at that. You can spoil it for yourself. But it, she's she's just like her dad in the sense that she's very intelligent. She's a good engineer. And I might have just spoiled it there. But she she she's fantastic. I like her. Seven and Nine's character has finally been more developed again as a Starfleet. A person of Starfleet, you know. The captain of the new ship, I can't remember his name, I'm, and even if I did, I don't know if I could say much, because he's a prick, I mean, he's a cuck fuck, prick ass motherfucker, and at this last episode, you understand why, because they, he is a part, I'll just say this, he was a witness to Jean-Luc's turning of Lacutus of Borg. And it affected him very directly. And that's why he's such a prick. And that's why you find out why he hates Picard so much. Jonathan Franks, Riker's character. He directed the last two episodes. And he did a fucking bang up job. Terry Metalis is writing these things. They're, they're a great team together. Because the last two episodes. Episode 3 and 4 were just fantastic. They get stranded because of Riker's indecisiveness and unwillingness to listen to Picard and Picard's expertise, which is a little unusual considering, you know, the last time, even in the movies, not just in the show, but the last time we see him, he listens to Picard. And for whatever reason, and this is one of the nitpicks of mine, he doesn't listen and it ends up 
when he finally does this and it fucks him over and gets him stranded in a certain area. Now, I know this sounds vague and I sound like I'm not articulating myself very well, but I'm very I'm trying very hard for people that might want to watch this on Paramount Plus. This is I I highly recommend just getting a free trial at the uh, at the very last points cuz we're on episode 4, there's going to be 10 episodes and just binging this because it is or hell, even paying for it on the last two episodes of the date. I would highly recommend seeing this show because it is worth so far. And they can really fuck it up. As my girl Marissa Tomei once said and my cousin Vinny, you know, if you don't fuck it up, we'll see. And there's still a high possibility that they can, but so far... They've been firing on all cylinders and really, really, really making a a good show here. You know, it's been it's been entertaining. Um, I'm trying very hard not to spoil it because you should spoil it for yourself. That's what I will say. They get they get like I said they get stranded in an area and the re- the resolution is actually Star Trek. It's not Star Trek Discovery or all this other bullshit that's come out. It's actually next generation cause and effect problem solving where you think that they cannot get out of this scenario and somehow they pull it out. And to the credit of the show, it does tell you, just like in the flashback, if you have a crew around you that are competent that you really trust in, even in the darkest hour and the blinkest moments... You can get out, well, you can have a chance to get out of it, and they did. And it's very Star Trek The Next Generation. That's what I'm very happy with. I I, I couldn't be happier with how they're going about it. The first two episodes, like I said, with Rafi, who's a fucking drug addict bitch who isn't necessary. You know, we get it. You're a junkie who sucks dick for quarters on the side of Skid Row. We get it. Or sucks dick for nickels. You know. We get it. We get it. You you had a traumatizing past. You let drugs take over. We get it. You're still a boring. Uninteresting character. And God I hope. Someone short of the board comes and just. Annihilates and incinerates her ass. Because she's a boring character. There's a few others, but she's the one that stands out the most because she's just so fucking grot-filled boring. I'd rather lick bugs off the fucking wall than have to watch her do any. And the actress, I don't know, she's terrible. I'd, I'd rather sniff a dog's ass. I'd rather sniff a junkyard dog's ass than have to sit through her another character arc of her because she is just... So monotonous and boring, I can't take it anymore. I I really, not to be hyperbolic and use too much hyperbole, but she gets me close to wanting to pull the old Kurt Cobain treatment and just put a shotgun barrel in my mouth and strum the trigger because it's just too much. It's too fucking much. She, not just the fact that she's a terrible character, whoever the actress is, I can't remember her name, she's a fucking terrible actress. 
<clears throat> I've seen people in film school when I was going to film school better actors than this shit and we're talking about dinner theater actors you know at the local YMCA this shit's fucking garbage so she's gotta go anymore her and I might stop watching the show she's a huge hindrance to the show But other than those small nitpicks, it's it's been fantastic. It's been a great blast watching this show. Getting reunited with characters who we thought we wouldn't see ever again. Not just Riker. We get a... And once again, this is going to be a spoiler, but I'm going to try very hard. We see, and this is in the first episode, we get to see Beverly Crusher again. And without spoiling too much, the thing that we've all known about her and Picard is finally confirmed once and for all. And they even have a little... I'm not going to go there. Just know there's a progeny and that progeny happens to fill in nicely into the show. And I've already spoiled it enough, but what we've all thought about those two is confirmed, you know, in the show. Rather they, I'll leave it at that. Those who watch Star Trek Next Generation know what I'm talking about, and I've already spoiled it for them too much, so, but we know if they've. Rode like the wind together, you know, ride like the wind, we know if they've you know, had a ride or two, so, and I'll leave it at that, and that's too much just there, but we get some, we get some resolution from the old show, because everybody's like, eh, then they, but we get some resolution, it's a little cliche, yes, but it pays off in the last episode, and and we've, the first act is already completed, I think there's like two more acts to go. The first story arcs have completed because there's a ten ep- it's ten episodes they're on episode four. And the first act is concluded because we got a resolution, but there's more to be told because we still have the overall story arc that hasn't been told yet. Where did the assassination attempts really come from? What is really the big bad that's coming for Starfleet, and why are these terrorists? What is the point of Raffi? You know, what is the point of Raffi? And not only that, not to just knock her, but what is the point of Worf coming out of retirement? These questions still have to be asked, and that's why I said we finished the first act of the story. We got a long way to go. I, I please don't fuck it up because it's just been so good so far. Overall, I give it a solid seven point five, even eight out of ten because they just. This is why I'm scared. I am very, very scared because we Star Trek Discovery is fucking dog drivel. I wouldn't feed that. I wouldn't feed that kibble to the fucking junkyard dog. The first two seasons of Picard were like getting a blowjob from a toothless meth head. 
they were absolutely fucking ridiculous. And it's not something you want. It's a, unless you want to catch fleas or some other STDs. So, and you know... <laughs> Coincidentally enough, Star Trek is called the the newer show Star Trek Discovery. That's STD, Star Trek Discovery. So, and it is an STD that you might not ever, ever, ever get rid of. So it's 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 hard to have hope when they fucked up and shit the bed. Strange New Worlds is a good show. It's fantastic. I had a great time with it. But they can still fuck that up, and they can still fuck the rest of Picard Season 3 up. They have given most of us, especially the diehard Star Trek fans, no cause to have any faith. Even with these episodes, with these four episodes, there's still a cause of, I'm enjoying it, but I need to be careful. Because you might end up going to the salon and getting a devil's haircut. So, just be careful. And I will report on further ep- further episodes of this podcast if it's dog grot, a dog's dinner, a dumpster fire, or if they pull it off. And saying, yes, you gotta, you gotta get Paramount Plus somehow, even if it's a free trial and binge this shit. And if it's garbage, even me praising it right now, I say, uh, we were wrong. I can always admit when I was wrong and say this show fucking sucks. It's either there's not going to be a shade of gray. There's not going to be a middle ground. There's it's going to be either really fantastic and a return to form all the way through or it's going to be ho hum another sweat from my balls type of TV series. So we'll see. I'm hoping it doesn't go asunder and really fly into the ground, but I just have a bad feeling. The only good news is Terry Metalis is running the show full-time. Alex Kurtzman and Akiva Goldsman are nowhere to be seen. You know, those soggy diapers of fucking writers and creators, they're nowhere to be seen because they got other projects they're working on. They're working on other things they can fuck up. So if this show is a success in the end, they'll take the credit, but they won't be the ones that put in the work, thank God. Because if they were there, I would know for a fact that it was gonna it's gonna sink like the fucking it's gonna sink like a stone in the sea, like the lost city of Atlantis. So we'll see. We will see, cause I'm getting nervous, cause it's just I'm I'm having a good time, but. That doesn't necessarily make it fucking so that it's going to be a good time all around. So, we'll see. We shall see. But that's my spiel for this episode. I know it's a little bit shorter. Try and get out more episodes, when I, especially when I feel better. We got to get... When I see Scream 6, I'm definitely, report, I'm definitely reviewing that. Uh, there's some other things I got to see. I think I'll do a knock at the cabin of the uh, knock at the cabin, the new M Night Shyamalan. Excuse me, new M Night Shyamalan movie. I'll do a review on that. Yeah, do that. And yes, like I stated before, the Phantasm retrospective is on its way. 
So I just gotta do a little more, do a little more of a tune-up, clean up a little bit more, get my ducks in a row, my rubber duckies, and this is happening because it's been long overdue. I promise this shit. From the very, 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 very first episode of this podcast, way back when, before you all fell off. So I'm finally going to fulfill my destiny and my promise with it. So those will be coming up very soon. In the meantime, take care of yourselves. I love you guys, especially those of you that have kept holding on, listening to this whack-ass show and... Love you guys. Have a good night. I'm going to try and get better, get more drugged up, and pass out because I'm not feeling too well. So have a good one. Peace.